Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I am all in. More, more, more. I want to kiss you more. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Let's get a little business out of the way. I'm going to be appearing at the Motor City Comic Con taking place in Detroit, Michigan, the week end of November 10. Through 12, 2023, I think it's a little bit outside the city, but come and see me there, uh, Motor City Comic Con, November 10 through 12, 2023. Also, uh, Galaxy Con Columbus, December 2 and 3, 2023. Hope to see everybody there. Let's have some fun. One-on-one interview with Alex Ackerman. Here's his bio. Alexander Ackerman is an editor for Wirecutter's Discovery Team for the New York Times. He has worked as a journalist and on documentary film projects. One-on-one interview with Alex Ackerman. Here's his bio. Alexander Ackerman is an editor for Wirecutter's Discovery Team for the New York Times. He has worked as a journalist and on documentary film projects. And he has also worked as a screenwriter for Amazon and Lionsgate. Uh, when he's not working, he can pr- you can probably find him bird watching, running, or making pasta. We found the ultra pricey ice cream maker Lorelai Gilmore got as a wedding gift. She should have kept it. That's according to Alex's article. Um, 
Even 20 years after the episode's original air date, fans and chronic rewatchers of Gilmore Girls have all probably asked themselves the same question at some point. Who gave Lorelai the ice cream maker? In the show's second season, when a Lello 4080 Musso Lucino, a longtime wire cutter pick, arrives at Lorelai's home just weeks after she's called off her wedding, Suki, Roy, and Lorelai all stand staring at the gleaming spaceship-like appliance shown in the scene above. Uh... Unsure exactly who sent it. There is no note, no card, no return address. Lorelai is dead set on finding out who sent it. Uh, but the gift giver's identity remains a mystery, and Lorelai ultimately gives the appliance away. But we think she should have kept it. Um, and this young gentleman, this young talented gentleman who is making his way through Hollywood screenwriting uh, projects, which he cannot discuss yet but he will if he comes back, um, wrote an article about this ice cream maker. Here he is. Let's bring him in, Alex Ackerman. Alex, hey. Hey, how's it going? First of all, welcome to the show. Great to have you. And uh, uh, what made you want to write an article about an ice cream maker Lorelai was gifted in season two? Um, It's one of those things. So I work at Wirecutter, and it's the New York Times' product review service and it's one of the the great thing about working there it's a sort of this like effervescent collective uh process and at some point we were I, one of the writers was testing ice cream makers and i jokingly asked uh if we tested the one from gilmore girls and as it turns out they had and it was really really good and it just sort of went from there and i think that uh my editor and I both knew that this was a show that had this kind of like endurant love from its fan base and like people coming to it every year new because of you know it's the because of streaming and so we thought it would be fun so it just sort of just sort of came about mm. who do you think gave Lorelai the ice cream maker uh I, th- I think it was Emily I think I think her mom gave it to her I think that it's like extravagant enough and it's almost like a repudiation of the way that they eat while also being like uh an endorsement of it in her own emily way that that's my theory that that's what i think mm-hmm. have you written any other articles about gilmore girls or just this one uh, not about Gilmore Girls. I did uh, sort of a similar thing earlier this summer, right before The Bear season two came out, where we just went through all the different wire cutter picks in the first season of The Bear. So no, I haven't, but hopefully soon, you know, I'd love to write more about Gilmore Girls. And why do you think it is so well received by ever new generations of people, younger audiences? What What is it about this show? That's a really good question. Because it really is a phenomenon, isn't it? I mean, it, it is a cultural phenomenon. Really, I, I is there any other show like it in the history of television that, that has continued uh, to gain a fan base? I mean, it's really not a fair question because, you know, streaming didn't exist back in the day, so it's a whole new landscape now. But why do you think the show endures? I think there are... I think there are a very select handful of other shows. Like I think the office and the Sopranos have been able to like 
but you know we're talking about like the crown jewels of tv shows you know we're talking about those three Mm -hmm. um but i think it's i mean i i'm someone who came to it new so i only really started watching it in maybe 2018 2019 because my fiance is a big fan of it and i'd never seen it so we started watching it and then i was living in la for a little bit and she'd sent me like a list of all her favorite episodes and i sort of was working my way through them while i was there alone and uh i fell in love with it i i think it's very similar to i i mean it's sort of the same reason that people love like it's a wonderful life or like you know old frank capra movies is because there's something ethereal and timeless about like the exchange between like this world that is like really really warm and serene and tender but also that is like populated with people that are experiencing their own turmoil in search of connection like that feels like a very timeless story and when it's written and and executed as i think as so expertly as gilmore girls is i think you have that kind of like magic winning combination that's that's my theory Hmm. i don't recall a show ever having the lead character lorelei gilmore basically be a stand-up comedian through the entire seven seasons she just did joke after joke after joke and we still took her seriously as a character. And she was doing fairly sophisticated humor that was going over everybody's head. <laughs> was it that way on set? Were you like, wow, I, I'm just amazed by Like, was that the experience of, of filming the show? Well, the thing about the show was always the dialogue. So it was dialogue, the dialogue, the dialogue. That was the focus. Are we going to be able to execute and serve this dialogue at the speed and with the intention with which it was written. So that was the challenge every day. So it was really more about uh, uh, the technical, mechanical aspects of what we do as actors, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to overanalyzing everything um, and trying to you know, get the deeper meaning of it. It, it, it was just such a, from, from the start of, the first episode, the first senior shooting of that season, uh, and then nine months later, you're, you feel like a train ran over you and backed up and did it again because it is just such the pace and the hours and the volume. We did 80 pages and it was all black inks. So it was 50% more um, dialogue or 100% more dialogue than anybody was doing or 200% more dialogue. I mean, that's sort of the thing that blows me is I know that like, you know, those 15 hour days that just, (laughs) I I can't imagine like what any of you, like the amount of energy, but also just like, especially like someone like Lauren Graham, who was in every single scene, like, and, and then being able to like, show up and then do that sort of like Ernst Lubitsch, like excellent, perfect timing delivery, amazing repartee. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how you did it. It's, it's amazing. Um, um, okay. So here's now I think I answered my own question. I, I think there are two reasons 
that the show endures. I think it's because it's so fast and it's so filled with pop culture references and clever little funny uh, anecdotes and, st- and, and stories and jokes, jokey jokes, that people miss half of it. Or they get it and they react after the fact, but they want to re- experience it again and again and again and again. There's so much. It's so compact. Um, yeah, you just keep discovering new things every yes. time. Yes. It's far more interesting to watch it than it was ever to make it. <laughs> it's not. A, okay. So when you're on a writing jag, let's say you get into a writing jag, you're writing a screenplay, you're writing something and you know, you, you, I don't know what your process is, but you know, a lot of writers talk about their process. Like they'll sit with their characters for a long time until the characters start talking to them and demanding that they be written and that you follow those characters. You don't impose anything on those characters, but they're real living things inside your head, inside your being. And you get on a three, four day writing jag and you blast out a first draft and it's like, you didn't sleep. And it just goes by. And that's kind of what like filming the show was every week. (laughs) You're just occupied. You're taken over. Uh, You can do that with one. Like, I I just don't know how, (laughs) like even, I mean, even just as like a writer, like I like writing a 60 page script is hard enough. And then doing 24 of them in a year is like, I don't I don't know how it gets done. It's, it's, either. it's the old, I mean, there, but there is so much like one of the, I mean, one of the things that I feel like I've, and I'd be curious to hear like how, sort of like how it came about. Like one of the things that you sort of notice as you rewatch the show is that you in, in particular sort of like, I don't know, like you move very, very gracefully. It's almost like a ballroom dance. It's like, it seems like the more stuff that they're putting in your hands, the more, graceful movements become and then there's also this like moving master that the that the show is shot in and those two things just really seem to like have this like wonderful symbiotic interplay like it should they both like it just seems to suit everything like it just works together so well and like that was one of the things that i noticed like when i rewatched it recently i was like that's kind of an amazing touch that that manages to come out that's really interesting that you point that out because I just remember my best memories of, of doing that show were rehearsals and you know, you rehearse and you rehearse and you figure out the dance steps. Right. And it was always, mm-hmm. and you're always with Lauren. You're with, you know, who am I with in the diner? I'm with Lauren most of the time, you know, and we speak, pretty much the same language uh, in our approach to the work. And it's really about making sure that we can justify every single line of dialogue, every single movement that we make. It has to be supported by something um, that is real. It's like, we can't do it unless we have to do it. So we, we would spend a, a painstaking amount of time in rehearsal getting it right before we shot it. And everybody had to be, and I, and the thing that I miss most about working with her is, is having a partner um, that knows how to construct a scene, choreograph a scene with another person. 
you know, because yeah. it's because you know what it's like if you've tried to co-write with somebody. It's a it's a lot yes. of back and forth, um, and when you've got two people as uh, stubborn and uh, and <laughs> as Lauren and myself, <laughs> and I think that's that's why it was so electric between us because we were acting out choices that we both fought for in the rehearsal process, not each other. We didn't fight each other. It's just, we, 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 we had to state our case as to why I, I listen, I can't move over there because of X. And I think I need to go around the diner and, you know, it was all very, 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 it was technical based on, um, the, the impetus of, of, of an emotional life. It had yeah. to be real. It's gotta be real. You gotta, it, you can't move until you, till you feel it. And if I didn't feel it and she didn't feel it, we weren't, we were going to continue to rehearse until we found something. And then you have these wonderful directors come in. They have all kinds of ideas and they, they know well enough to stay away when we're sort of getting into it and creating it. But if we hit a glitch, then they'll, you know, they could say the magic words and we go, ah, so I love that collaboration. And I love that kind of collaboration with, with really gifted artists like, you know, Lauren and, and all the other actors. I mean, it's, and Kelly Bishop. I mean, imagine, you know, crafting scenes with these people. I miss that so very much, but I'm getting to do it now. I'm doing a new series up in Canada and I'm getting to do it now. So I, it's what I miss about acting the most is the rehearsal process. So thank you for noticing that. And uh, we took great care in crafting those, the movement as well. We, we, we've, we, cause we saw it from, you know, 10,000 feet. Yeah. And we wanted it to look a certain way too. Yeah. So that's cool. That's very cool. Um, so, so look, Gilmore questions. We have big sure. fans who write in, they want to know how many times you've seen the series. This is Jane from uh, Walla Walla, Washington. Jane from Walla Walla. Uh, there's no good answer to that. Um, <laughs> like there's some episodes that I've seen, once and then some episodes that i've seen like nine times um it's sort of the math i don't know i like maybe collectively like maybe four three four times okay truly it's like disproportionate right Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am 
where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Amanda from Amarillo, Texas. Who is your favorite character from the show? Uh... I think, I think Lorelai is probably my favorite character. I think that sort of as, uh, as I said, the show has a sort of like, you know, his girl Friday, like Ernst Lubitsch style, mm-hmm. like component to it, like this really old Hollywood feel. And I feel like Lorelai really, really brings that sort mm-hmm. of highlights the tragic, con- like even when something is going abysmally or something mm-hmm. really tragic is happening, like there's this, she finds this vein of irony and finds a way. And also, you know, that irony, I think, especially from old movies comes from characters deflecting. And I feel like I do that too, personally, mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. something, the, the, the unwillingness to take seriously a really bad thing just to deflect. And so I, I can relate to that impulse, but so that, that I think is my answer. Um, yeah. No one had, has ever had more sass. I, I refer to it as sassy. She's sassy. Uh, okay. Uh, Charmaine from Buffalo, New York. What is your favorite episode and why? If you have a favorite episode. I do have a favorite episode. I think my favorite episode, it's a big, it's actually a big Luke episode. It's in the first season and it's uh, when Richard has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I think that there is like it does have this tragic comic effect to it. There's something really, I don't know how it becomes such a warm, intimate episode, but it does. 
and there's something and then especially you know at the very end when when you're watching the christmas carolers and you reluctantly turn off the lights there's something really i don't know there's and then also that conversation that you know luke and emily have uh i it's a i think it's a really beautiful episode let me see laura lee from uh portland oregon uh if there was a storyline you could change uh what would it be that's that's kind of okay uh this might be controversial i think Personally, my my least favorite storyline was when Richard and Emily separated. I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel I like, did that leave a it left a massive void? It, uh, it did, and seeing I, like, I, I, Ed Herman and Kelly Bishop on set, like in the on screen together, is like to not have that was right. Was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was that like to experience? Like, do you you know is that something that like you you like was that also felt? Yes. As it was being made? No. But rewatching it as we did recently, because I've never seen any of these episodes, by the way, except the pilot. So when I saw that, I, uh, you know, the writer in me went crazy. And I said, what are they doing? You know, yeah. you, build, you build this house. This foundation is built upon this. You don't wreck this. You don't even... Uh, I don't know. We we uh, we took it to task. We took them to task over that. We did. I mean, I I one of the few north stars in the show is mm-hmm. that Emily see eye to eye on mm-hmm. a lot of things, and to take that away is mm-hmm. can be. I feel like a little destabilizing for the ecosystem of <laughs> the show. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're a fan of it or familiar with it, but I love the actors in it. There's a show called Billions, uh, yeah. Damien, Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti, and it's a real Shakespearean mano mano type deal. Um, when Malin Ackerman left him, took the kids away from him, I thought that was a big mistake. She was his moral compass, and now he was alone without his sons, without his family. I thought it really weakened his character. And I don't understand, maybe she got another gig and she wanted off the show or she wasn't getting enough, but she, I mean, she was a really integral part of the show. And I think actors don't understand the effect they have on an audience. Um, but um, I thought that that particular example was unfortunate for that show. He needed to have a moral compass and you just can't take that away. No, it's the beginning of the end. Um, it's the I beginning of the end. Yeah. They, I, I will say... They got back together on Gilmore Girls, so I'm. <laughs> I think it was figured out that this that having those two actors not on screen at the same time was no, doing nobody any favors. Right, right, right. right. Okay. The, um, so was that the most upsetting thing you saw on? Yeah, series? I, I would yeah. say that was okay. that was the most upsetting. Right, right. Okay. Um, okay, so this is from Trish from. Uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey, was your favorite boyfriend for Rory. Do you find any of them intolerable? Uh, I'm going to give the most diplomatic answer that I can, <laughs> I can give. Um, I think that they were all good boyfriends, but Rory didn't meet them at the right time. Oh, that's, that is, like, 
they all cross paths at the wrong time with each other. Artfully, artfully expressed. Thank you. Art, <laughs> artful. That is a wonderful dodge. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is um, this is uh, Shaniqua from the Bronx wants to know. Uh, do you think Logan is a bad influence on Rory? No, I mean, I, I, I think Rory's a bad influence on Rory. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you know, a lot of people are going to agree with you in this fan base. Yeah, he can be a little jerky sometimes, but I don't right, think right. you know he he means well. Whether mm. he does well is different, mm. but I don't think he's trying to push someone in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a uh, here's a big big question, Alex. Uh, okay, this is from Ramallah from New York City. Uh, do you think Emily and Richard are good parents to Lorelai? Or maybe the question should be: Were good parents to Lorelai? Because I mean, there she's what thirty six now, so thirty seven. So yeah, you stop. I mean, when does the parenting um, end? I maybe <laughs> I think they did the best at what they thought was right. I think, and also I think Lorelai says that too in that episode that I mentioned. She's like, my you know, my dad is from a time and a place. He has these values. He believes in these things. He did right by his family as far as he saw. And I think, I mean, first, I don't think you can necessarily look at Lorelai and be like, I mean, this is the person who like. I don't think that. And they did a decent job. Like she turned out okay. Um, but I would also say that I think that they did what they thought was best and they did that well. So I think that whether or not they're good parents is a hard thing to answer, but I do think that I don't, I think that they had a vision of the world and I think they lived by that. And I think mm. they did that well. Right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of questions about Luke, and is that her best, Lorelai's best match? All right, so let's just, let's just talk about Luke. Uh, Because we never really talk about Luke uh, that much. Um, Did you think that Luke was her best match? Lorelai's best match? Uh, I I do. And I also, and I think that the, I think that the writers did as well. I think that, I actually, I, I would love to know if my theory is correct. And maybe it's too far back of an answer. Um, But like, I feel like you can tell when the season two pickup order came based on when they sort of pull off the, the gas for the Luke and Lorelai, like they're like, it's like, they are not saving any, any energy for the swim back to shore. And then at a certain point, like it's clear, like, well, we can't do it right now because presumably they got renewed for a second season. Um, (laughs) Uh, like in that, in that hospital episode, like you, you know, that feels like it's the beginning of something incredibly magic and, and, and charming. And it doesn't really come back there for another four some years. So like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would, I would love to know that, that's my theory. That's my mm-hmm. theory about the timing of things. From what I can tell and what I have gleaned, I think the network wanted it sooner and I think Amy and Dan fought him tooth and nail to drag it out. Which I think was the smart move, obviously. And I actually think they could have milked it for another couple of seasons. That that would have been a controversial move. Right. Um, I mean, I, right. I, that, I, I actually have a Luke question for you. I'd love to know. Okay. Um, uh, when you, I guess like, when as an actor, I... I you know, you, you shut the door on a character when the show ends and then nine or so years later, like you have to, you you know, 
you, like you have to find a way to open that door again. Like what, like, and to do that very seamlessly and to be, to sort of rediscover that character. Like, do you, like, did you have a process for, for doing that? Like during the, not the reboot, but the, the, so we, like, what were your, like, did you have tools? Did you have like a touchstone? Did you like, how did you know that no. so well? Because you, the band got back together and you're playing with your old players. And it's like, we didn't forget how to play. And the panic was in the beginning that I didn't feel like this guy anymore. But then I put the clothes on and put the hat on and I took a walk around Stars Hollow which they'd built back up again. Netflix did. Um, and it was a better, brighter, shinier version of what we remember. Uh, there was a bigger budget um, uh, for these four, you know, hour and a half movies is basically what they were. Um, and just talking with Lauren again and talking with uh, Michael Winters and talking with, you know, Rory and, and doing scenes with them again and rehearsing again, it all just, you know, it all flooded back. And I, you know, the the time uh, that went by was no longer an issue, you know. Um, I changed a great deal. I'd gotten married and had a son. So I didn't, I couldn't relate to Luke as he was, but how could you? He wasn't Luke, that Luke anymore. He was this guy now. And it's just this time went by and I looked different and Lauren didn't look that much different. So it was a little more difficult. <laughs> she didn't age. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it's really just being around the old players again and, you know, playing the music again. And it all sort of comes back. That's, you know? uh, that's kind of, a, that's a, I don't know, it's a very, it's a very heartwarming thing to hear as a fan because like, yeah you do sort of imagine like, I don't know, you see a lot, you, you see a lot of reboots of a lot of shows that don't go so well. And then on this one, like I know people had varying, very strong, varying opinions, but I don't think that anyone felt that anyone was not in the scene and not in the moment. And not right. And I think right, that that's right. 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 I don't know. So it's, I, I was just always amazed by that aspect of it. Certainly. I, I really think that, you know, the other actors, actors breathe life into each other and we're solely dependent on each other, you know, and it's an exchange. It's like an, an exchange of energy and, and light, if, if, if you will. Um, and that just sort of activates uh, the whole process and it, and it becomes, Oh yeah, this is how it feels and this is who we are and this is how we relate to one another and this is what it is and this is what it sounds like and this is what it feels like. And let's go. Give us the words, let's go. That's very similar to writing. I I mean cuz I when I, you know, do any screenwriting, I write with a very good friend of mine and like there's this sort of kinetic exchange and then there's also this like like, damn, did that guy really just come up with that awesome line? I got to come up with a better line. I got to do better than that. Um, <laughs> it's like the most exciting thing is to find yourself in a situation where you're playing catch with people. So I feel mm. like that's, it sounds very similar. 
I I think you're right. I think you've nailed it. It's you know just keeping that ball in the air and making it go higher and higher and higher. Um, so let's talk about your screenwriting. How, how did you? How long have you been wanting to write? And did you want to write novels, or how did you uh, sort of rotate into writing screenplays? Not not that that's no, I mean, that's it's, it's uh, an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, yeah, to write a good screenplay is is no mean task. No, it's 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 not. Um, it's daunting. It, it is. Did you grow up loving literature and 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 you were well read kid and and you you admired certain writers growing up? Completely, totally. And but yeah. I I also sort of like very parallel to that. Really, really loved movies. I really liked old movies. I was. A and still am big movie nerd in high school. And a lot of my favorite writers did, but like Graham Greene and Raymond Chandler, like did, they did both, you know, novels and screenplays. And so it, I feel like a lot of that is very, very, very close together. And I, and so as I mentioned, I, I write mainly with, you know, a very good friend of mine and we both sort of love the same movies. And eventually we were just, you know, just, just happened. And it was, uh, it's really exciting, a really fun thing. Very, can be very frustrating sometimes in the development process, <laughs> but, uh, as well, sure anything, you know. anything worth it is right. It's, uh, yes, <laughs> but, uh, birth pangs. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, and then, you know, obviously there's a, <laughs> uh, unlike, journalism i feel like there's also sort of like a very you you have to be willing to say goodbye to projects that you really love um almost as quickly as you fell in love with them mm -hmm. uh for you know let's say producers move on or someone drops out or this happens or that happens or the weather changes and you have to be willing and able to like close the door on something and uh, move on i remember falling in love with movies as, as, as a young boy. Uh, we went to a lot of movies. It was my generation went to tons of movies. I remember seeing, you know, the exorcist came out and I don't know, I was all of 10 or 11 years old. And my mother was like, you're not going to see that film. And I said, no, I'm going to see that film. We're going with an Italian, my Italian friend, and he's going to wear a crucifix. We're going to be fine. Don't worry about it the devil can't get to us. And we were so terrified by that film because she, she, she acquiesced and we went to the theater and she actually was sitting in the back of the theater, you know, uh, just sort of watching us to see if anybody would pass out. <laughs> the crucifix didn't protect you? The uh, no. <laughs> she wasn't buying it. <laughs> so um, we ended up sleeping. Oh, there was three of us that went to see it, three uh, my other friend, Tommy. And we stayed at the, the Italian boy's uh, home that night. We slept on his floor, on his living room floor, in sleeping bags to be protected from, from Satan because we were all so freaked out <laughs> from that film. And, and I really must say that it is not a horror film. And it, and it defined horror for me and my generation in a different way that horror is defined. It's really a film about the fear of a woman losing her little girl 
And that's all it is. That's what it, that's the, that's the horror. And it's such a beautifully written and such a beautifully acted and beautifully directed film. And when I saw, so I was always fascinated with the power of film and I didn't understand it was the, it was really the writing uh, that was the thing. Uh, because great writing is going to find a great director, is going to find great actors, going to find a great studio. It starts with the writing. So I see Altered States. I don't know if you've seen the film. Um, and I don't know what you think of Padachevsky, but I just, I fell, I in, lo- I fell in love with acting because of that film, because of Hurt's performance, because of the concepts behind what he was representing. That entire world, academia, and knowing that Chayefsky moved to, to Cambridge, lived there for three years and did his, really did his research. I mean, really dug in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very similar to how Todd Field is now um, behaving. I just saw Tar on, yeah. the, on the airplane and say what you want about the ending, but I thought this is as well-researched and, and Todd Field has learned the language of classical music on a level of a Chayefskyan level. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, one of the amazing things about Chayefsky is that like, it wasn't just like, it just feels like everything that he writes is like, like, how can you know so intimately so many things? Like, how can you, and then like <laughs> network and you're like, what, like, mm-hmm. how did, now you know how this, like, it, it just, it was one thing, I don't know, he's an incredible writer, and um, I don't know if you've read Sidney Lumet's book, Making Movies, which is one of my favorites. Um, he has a lot of very, very funny stories about Patty Chayefsky having tantrums with the studio. Oh, and, okay, I will, well, uh, I will read it. I have not read that one. I've read most of them, but I have not, I will read that one. It's, it's a, it's like half memoir, ha- right. like, right. It, there's a great thing where he very, very, very poorly disguises the fact that Robert Redford wanted to play uh, in the, like the leader on the verdict and kept trying to like make the actor more virtuous and better and not an alcoholic and not mean. And then at some point he was like, no, let's fire Redford and just bring back Paul Newman. Um, <laughs> and it works great. It's very funny. It's a really funny book. I, I, I will, I will, I will, um, on location, so I will have plenty of free time to read, and I will read that one. Thank you for that uh, recommendation. All right, so we'll have you back on after the strike is resolved. We can continue the conversation. You're a fascinating young man. Thank you. Um, and then we can we can talk about some of your work, maybe. Okay, it's, it was a pleasure meeting you. And, Good uh, meeting you, too. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yep, take care. Bye. All right, bye. Follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com.
All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.